So Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 to 17, slightly different to what's on the screen, just slightly, and then 21 to 31. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the mountains are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. And then over the page to verse 21, and we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Verse 21, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground then he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Well, as we uh, start uh, into the new year shortly, um, we're going to be, as Caleb said, we're going to be taking a, a little bit of a break from working through a, a series or like on, on a specific book. And I'm looking forward to uh, each week as uh, uh, we have a, a different uh, passage that, uh, that the uh, uh, person brings to us. So this morning I was thinking about what uh, passage to, to talk about. And a few weeks ago we had for the first reading Isaiah 40. And as we read through that, I was struck by both the, the power and the strength of our sovereign God, but also his love and his care towards his people. 
And firstly, in context, we know that this passage is about the Hebrews, about Israel and the Babylonian captivity and their, their promised salvation that was to come. But Isaiah's prophecy is also larger than that. It's, it's to all God's future people and from their salvation from sin and judgment and death. And so as we start this new year, I, I thought we could have a look at the nature of our God. This is the God that we'll be trusting in with all that's going on in this uh, seemingly crazy world that we're living in. Can we have any assurance? Can we make sense of what's going on? Can we uh, be sure that our faith is secure in our God? And as we look at uh, three aspects of, of God's character this morning, um, firstly, that God is ruler. Secondly, God is creator. And thirdly, God is saviour. But first, let's uh, ask God for his help to understand his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, we can come together today as we look to your word this morning. I pray that uh, we'll gain a renewed appreciation for who you are, for your power and your wisdom and your wonderful grace in saving us. And I pray that all that I say this morning will be true and honouring to you. Amen. So I want to begin by asking you, what is your view of God? If someone was to ask you, what, what is your God like? How, how does he work? What would you say, I wonder? Maybe you're like me and you've heard lots of different Christians talk about God, different churches, different speakers, and you seem to get very different views depending on who you talk to. One that I encounter a lot uh, seemingly in the world is what I call the soft and fluffy God. And he's, he, this is the God that just loves everybody and everything and in fact that's pretty much all he does he certainly doesn't judge and he certainly doesn't have any wrath against evil and related to that as an offshoot to that is the powerless god he, he wants us to do good but he, he either can't or he won't interfere with our human autonomy because you know that might insult us and we can't have that so uh, so he just sort of sits back. And, and the most clear version of that God uh, in my memory is, is uh, when the planes crashed into the World Trade Centre uh, in New York in 2001. And I remember a prominent Christian leader at the time on TV saying, well, you know, God's just as shocked and upset as we are. And he sort of painted this picture all, almost of this sad old man just sort of sitting up in the clouds. There was no purpose. There was no plan. There's no redemption. Just some sort of weak comfort that, you know, that God was up there crying along with us. He couldn't really stop it. He, he didn't have a purpose for it. But hopefully it just kind of makes us feel a bit better. But what, do, what does God's word say? I told from verse 15 that to God, the nations of the world are nothing but a drop of dust in the bottom of a bucket, <laughs> that he sits above the earth and its people, even, even its most powerful leaders are like grasshoppers. I love that. I'd love to go to a world leader and say, you know, to God, your power, you're like a little buzzy grasshopper. Verse 23, brings princes to naught and the rulers of this world to nothing. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. 
Our God is not weak. He is not powerless. This is not the God that that Christian celebrity was talking about. Again, a little bit later in, in chapter 45 of Isaiah, God says, I am Yahweh the Lord. There is no one else, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating disaster. I am Yahweh the Lord who does all these things. Now, I hope if you haven't heard that verse before or if you haven't thought about it for a while, it might actually sound a little bit odd or even a little bit troubling because we can deal with the idea of sort of the fluffy God because that's, that's easy. But God is not this two-dimensional character. Now, we have to be clear, it does not say that God creates sin. It does not say that he forces people to sin. And those people who do sin are doing so freely from the evil of their own hearts and so will rightly face the judgment of God. But God does decree everything that comes to pass. And everything that comes to pass is ultimately to bring glory to God. If we look to, to Genesis at uh, Joseph and his brothers, uh, based on, on their uh, jealousy and hatred, Joseph's brothers force him from his family to a foreign land as a slave. Then a vicious lie told by Potiphar's wife sent Joseph to prison. Just, just imagine you're Joseph, exiled, forced into slavery, sent to prison for a crime you did not commit. If anyone had a reason to think that, you know, maybe God's not in control, that maybe God was just as surprised at how this turned out, it might have been Joseph. But in time, Joseph came to understand. Look at what Joseph says to his brothers 22 years after he was sold into slavery, after all that he's been through, he tells them, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. John Piper has this famous sermon where he just keeps repeating that over and over to make his point. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So the evil wasn't random. Both the brothers and God meant it for it to happen. But what sinners mean for evil, God means for good to his glory. In Genesis 45, Joseph says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. It wasn't the brothers who caused him to be taken away. It wasn't Potiphar's wife that caused him to go to prison. It was God who sent him, God who had planned this to save his people, his nation from starving from a famine to the praise of his glorious grace. But what about in the New Testament? Jesus was delivered uh, to captivity through the betrayal of Jesus sorry, through the betrayal of Judas. But what does Jesus pray? Before he's arrested, when he prayed about the disciples, he says, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So when Jesus was handed over to the authorities because of Judas' betrayal, was it because of Judas? Well, in a temporal sense, yeah, yeah, that's how it came about. But like Joseph and his brothers, what Judas meant for evil, 
God meant for good. It wasn't Judas who sent Jesus to the cross. It was the Father's decree. Isaiah 53, it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. The Lord makes his life an offering for sin, but after he suffered, he will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Can we take great comfort from that this morning? I, I don't know what people might have sinned against you. Uh, I don't know what circumstances might come upon you this year from this, the sinful choices of others. But we can rest in this. What they mean for evil, God means for good. And maybe you'll be like Joseph and it might take over 20 years to, to finally see any good out of it. Or maybe you'll never see any good this side of heaven. But what peace there is, what, what security and hope and healing, knowing that God is in control and that one day we will understand. All the hurtful things that we can't see any good in now and praise God in heaven for them. This is not the two-dimensional fluffy God of some. Back to Isaiah verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? If we had been captured and taken from our land and gone through all the sufferings that uh, God's people went through in the Old Testament, I'd have to say, honestly, we'd probably be saying uh, some things like that. My way is hidden from the Lord, my cause disregarded by my God. We might say the equivalent of that using words like, Lord, why does it feel you're so far away from me? Why won't you answer my prayer? And what's the answer? Verse 28, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He is the, world, he is the God who created this world and everything in it by the power of his word. He will not grow tired or weary. He, do, he doesn't allow us to go through suffering because he's too weary or, or too tired to do anything about it. He's not fallen asleep at the wheel. And his understanding no one can fathom. There was a, a time when Joseph sat in a dark, dingy prison and could not fathom why God had not helped him. There's a time when the disciples locked themselves in an upper room, scared and hopeless, and could not fathom why their beloved master, who they hoped would save Israel, had been killed. And there'll be times when we don't understand either. But as with Joseph, as with the disciples, any lack of understanding resides in us, not in God. His ways are perfect and holy, even when we don't see or understand. Now, another mistaken view of God is what I call the absent God. If you're a Christian, this is the God who, you know, maybe you think you're like, he just sort of started things off, he threw the, the switch or whatever he did for the Big Bang and the, just left the world to sort of just evolve and do its own thing and, and run itself. Or for those who are, who are not God's people, they deny the presence of God in creation at all. It's all just an accident, just chance and chaos. Verse 26, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? 
He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. There's not a star that's just just a little bit out of alignment. Every single one is as God created them. There's no accidents, no random chance of things just evolving out of nowhere. God is creator. Verse 28, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. We aren't here by accident. We aren't here left with no purpose. We aren't left to our own devices to try and make up what what rules that we think are best and right. God is ruler. God is creator. Paul Paul Washer, a a former missionary and now well-known preacher and teacher, paints a powerful view of this sovereign creator God. He says, here stands God on the day of creation. He looks at the stars and he says, all you stars, move yourself to this place and start in this order and move in a circle and move exactly as I tell you until I give you another word. And they all obey him. Planets, pick yourselves up and make this formation at my command until I give you another word. He looks at the mountains and he says, be lifted up, and they obey him. He tells the valleys, be cast down, and they obey him. He looks at the sea and says, you will come this far and no further, and the seas obey him. And then he looks at you and says, come, and you say, no. Can you you imagine how abhorrent and sinful our rebellion is against the creator God. We are part of his creation. We exist only by his grace. We can't even draw our next breath unless he gives us the ability. And humanity denies God and rebels against him and we wave our puny fists at him thinking that we know better. And there is every reason why God in his perfect righteous anger should have just crushed us uh, when we were still in our father, Adam. We can't imagine how vile it is for a created creature to rebel and blaspheme against the God who created him. But praise God, thirdly this morning, we see God is saviour. Verse 10, the sovereign, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The almighty God who comes in power, who rules his creation, comes yet he comes as a loving shepherd. The God who should have struck us down the the very moment uh, that we sinned and rebelled against him, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. That's beautiful. And he gently leads us. How amazing and deep is the grace and mercy of God. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep follow me. I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, comes as a loving saviour to save his lost sheep. 
But make no mistake, this isn't the fluffy God that we talked about at the start. This isn't just cheap grace for all. There are only two outcomes, mercy or judgment. John 12, Jesus says, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I don't judge that person, for I did not come to the world to, uh, to judge but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. Jesus is either the cornerstone or he's the stumbling block. Either you're saved by his words or condemned by rejecting his words. There's no middle ground. So as this year comes to an end and, and we're looking towards 2022, I don't know what will happen. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if things will go well or not. I don't know if COVID will go or not or if our health will be okay or not. But I do know this, God is ruler God is creator and God is saviour. And I trust that, that you know that too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, you are sovereign over all things, that nothing happens that's out of your control, that nothing takes you by surprise, that all things work together for good and to the praise of your glorious grace. Even at times when we can't understand it in our present time. We praise you that you are the creator of this amazing universe around us and that you are not distant, but that you're involved in all of your creation. And thank you that uh, you are a God of mercy and grace, a God who saves. And we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, to take the, the wrath that we deserved and that he is our loving shepherd. And it's in his name we pray this morning. Amen.